Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast, with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Well, we've been doing a series we started last week called Unseen, and we've been talking about spiritual warfare, how uh, things that are unseen to the eye affect the things that we do see. And so last week we laid the foundation on spiritual warfare. If you want to go back, you can watch that on our Facebook or on our website or YouTube channel if you missed that. But we talked about the fact that there is an unseen world that affects the seen world, right? Yes, thank you. It's like Maybe I need to do that one again. Um, thank you. Yes, there's an unseen world. So we talked about what spiritual warfare is, kind of how it happens. And so today we're going to talk about one of the biggest tools Satan uses uh, when spiritual warfare starts, we talked last week about how Satan loves to deceive. He loves to lie to us. Jesus said when Satan lies, he's speaking his native language, right? And so today we're going to talk about something that, uh, that Satan uses. Now, I'm going to be very transparent. I was going to say I'm going to be honest, but I would have been honest anyway. Don't you love it when preachers say, can I be honest with you? Like, were you planning to be otherwise? You know, how's that? Um, but I'll be very transparent. This is one of those passages that I would love to just kind of skip over. You know, uh, Paul wrote this, but we're not going to read it, you know, one of those things, because it's really a difficult passage. But we have to tackle the good, the easy, and the difficult, right? Uh, you know, to be, to be fair to the word. So um, we're going to hit this. Romans chapter 13 is where we're going to go. So when spiritual warfare starts, one of the biggest things Satan loves to do is start rebellion, a rebellion against authority. Remember in the Garden of Eden, Remember, uh, the Lord told Adam, you just can't eat of this one tree, right? Just, just leave this one tree alone. Everything else will be happy and you'll live and, and good. And then this snake shows up that was Satan undercover, right? And what does Satan do? The very, very first thing he says, did God really say that you couldn't do that? Did, he, he didn't want you to do that because he knew you would know things like he does. He doesn't want you to be smart as he is. He doesn't want you to live like he does. Did, did he really say that? Rebellion started at the very beginning of time and it's been going on ever since. In Romans chapter 13, Paul says this. Now, a little bit of background here, context. Paul was writing this passage, this letter, to Christians where? In Rome, right? That's why it's called the Romans. Um, he was writing to the church in Rome, which was kind of a new church made out of people who had come out of Judaism. Now, right before this, Rome was ruled by a man named Nero. He was an emperor. And you know what the emperors thought? Emperors thought they were gods in human form. And so Nero was an especially evil emperor, and he had, just before Paul wrote this, he expelled the Jews from Rome. He said, or he was working on that. He said, Jews are, um, they're antagonistic to, to society. They're, they're not good for us because they want to be different. They want to be separate. And so Paul's writing this letter specifically to G or Christians in Rome who are being persecuted. Here in just a little bit after he writes this, Nero is actually going to burn part of Rome and blame the Christians. And then he takes out his aggression on the Christians. He actually dips Christians in wax, ties them to poles, and lights them on fire as torches in his garden. All right? Evil man, the Christians knew he was an evil man. Look at what Paul says in verse thir chapter 13, verse 1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. Are you kidding me? Nero, you have to submit to him. You have to obey what he says. So you know the, the Christians are like, well, we're done. You know, set it aside. But he says this, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. 
So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be punished. What? Really? You want me to obey an unjust king? You want me to obey a president that I don't agree with? You want me to obey, obey my parents, even though they're completely irrational, right? You want me to, you want me to obey a, a teacher? You want me to drive the speed limit? You know, it should be at least 45 down here, and it's 20. What? Really? Yes. Because he says, everyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right. <laughs> You ever have a cop behind you, and even though you're doing the speed limit, you're saying, please don't, please don't, you know, like, we get nervous. And he says, he doesn't have fear if you're doing the right thing, right? But for those who are doing wrong, would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what's right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants. Let me read that again. Verse 4, the authorities are God's servant sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They were God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes too, ouch, for these same reasons. For the government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Do you see why I said it would be easier just to skip over that passage? <laughs> wow. So here, guys, Paul is saying that when we obey the government, we're really obeying God. And when we rebel against the government and those in authority over us, parents, teachers, we're really rebelling against God because we understand that God institutes authority. God is the one who placed authority there. And Paul says he is there, that authority is there for your what? Good. It's really there. It's instituted for your good. And so all the way back in the Garden of Eden, Satan slid rebellion into the minds of Adam and Eve. That's the first sin was really what? Rebellion against authority. And it has been going on to this day. It's ingrained in us, isn't it? What's one of the very first words toddlers learn? Nope. Nope. <laughs> it's hardwired into their brain. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Nope, nope. It's amazing. And we're the same way. You know, I grew up in Missouri. You know what the, the motto for Missouri is? The show me state. Because they say you're stubborn and Missourians have to be shown. Guys, I didn't know stubborn until I moved here. <laughs> I really think the Nebraska motto should be don't tell me what to do. <laughs> right? I mean, you guys who have heritage from here, your forefathers came across. It's like, look at this treeless windswept prairie. Let's settle here. <laughs> don't you think we should keep going? Don't tell me what to do. Like, I think that's... And that's ingrained in our culture. And guys, as Americans, we don't like to be told what to do. As Midwesterners, we really don't like being told what to do, right? It's snowing. We should close school. No, we shouldn't. Don't tell me what to do, right? I mean, it's just, it's in our culture. And so we have to understand, guys, that God is the one who institutes authority. And we bristle at authority. We don't like being told what to do. But Paul says we have to obey because God is the one who put it there. A lot of us are really good at selectively obeying, right? We'll obey this law and this law, but not that one because that's stupid. I shouldn't have to obey that, right? I, I shouldn't have to obey that. that. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, obey it anyway, right? What do we tell our kids? Do it because I said so, right? When I was a teenager, I was like, I will never say that to my kids. As soon as I had kids, because I said so, right? It's just, 
It just happens. I don't know. So we have to understand that God is the one who institutes authority. All authority is instituted by the Lord. That includes governmental authority, parental authority, school authority, spiritual authority. All those things are instituted by God for your good. And Paul even says later on to pastors and teachers, he says, we who teach will be judged more severely because we're put in that authority position, right? So God institutes those things and he holds those people accountable. And God often works through human authorities. He works through human authority. That's one of the ways that God operates the world is through human authority. It has been ever since the beginning. And in verse 4, he says, the authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. I think the NIV says they hold the sword for a reason. Because in Rome, if you disobeyed, what happened? You lost body parts from here up, right? They, they were good at that. And so he said that they wield the sword for a reason. They are sent to punish you for your good. But he says they are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do wrong. I found this quote. I can't remember who actually said it. But it said, not all authority is godly, but God establishes all authority. God works through people who aren't necessarily godly people. We have to trust that God can work through good and bad authority. God can work through those who serve him and those who also don't because they're still serving him even if they don't know it. So wait, you're saying, Pastor, that God put Nero in power and Nero persecuted the Christians? Yeah. You know what happened when Nero started persecuting Christians? They spread. And what happened? They took the gospel everywhere they went. He established the church through persecution. And not, God doesn't necessarily make them do the things they do, but he puts them in those positions. So God is not the one who works evil through authority, but he uses the evil for his own end, for his own good. And do I understand it? Nope. <laughs> I wish I did. But I don't always get it. But God works through human authorities. And God can work through good and bad. And guys, we see examples of this all through Scripture. We have to trust that God knows what he's doing because we see it happen over and over and over in Scripture, one of the commentaries I was looking at said this, it is God who has established the governments of the world. This doesn't mean he's responsible for the sins of tyrants, but only that the authority to rule comes originally from God. It was this lesson that Nebuchadnezzar had to learn the hard way in Daniel 4. To resist the law is to resist the God who established governments in the world, and this means inviting punishment. So if you read the book of Daniel, it's funny. You see Nebuchadnezzar, he was this king that God had placed and Nebuchadnezzar gets a little cocky. He starts looking out over his domain. He says, look at all that I've done. And God says, really? And so God made him like lose his mind for a while. And he like ate grass and walked around among the trees naked for a while. And then uh, when he got it back, he said, oh, yeah, this is actually God's. You know, this is all his doing, not mine. And then another time he wrote on a wall, you know, with a hand came up and said, your time is numbered. And he lost his mind again. And so God does that. God works through evil authorities. We see this all throughout Scripture. We see it in Exodus when the Jews were being persecuted by Pharaoh in Egypt. What was God doing? Establishing a nation through that punishment or through that evil man. So we see that God can work through good and bad authority. We have to understand that we're called to submit to authority. And here's the thing that, that is so hard, especially for all of us as Midwesterners, we're saying we're called to submit to authority and that our response to authority 
is really our response to who? The Lord. The way I respond to authority is the way I'm responding to the Lord. Ouch. When I rebel against those over me, when I think I know better and I rebel, I'm really rebelling against God. And what happens when I start rebelling against God? I put myself in danger of punishment. Because that's what Paul said. He said, they, they don't, they're not here for no reason. They can punish you for that. So we have to understand that the way I respond to them is the way that I'm responding to God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, another Christian who was living under Roman rule said this in verse 13 of chapter 2, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. So guys, this is more than just submitting for submission's sake. When I submit to authority, I'm doing it because I don't want to be punished, number one. But also, number two, Paul says, because of conscience's sake. I'm submitting to them because it's the right thing to do. In God's economy, submitting to them is really submitting to him. And it's a good example, right? As Christians, we should be the best citizens in our country. We really should. We should be setting the examples for others. Because I'm a Christian, I'm doing this. You should do the same thing. We should make it easy for them. They should know by the way that we live. And also for the sake of love, because it gives us opportunities to share Christ with them when we're those. So our response to authority is really our response to God and we're responsible to pray for those in authority. Not just obey, but also to pray for them. We should be praying for our government, our president. I had to, <laughs> I listen to the news and I get frustrated and my blood pressure goes up sometimes. So when I'm tempted to like, rah, 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 about my, you know what God told me to do one time? Pray for him. When you want to criticize, pray for him and says, I pray a lot <laughs> for, for our government, Right? I, I have to. I'm like, oh, God, help them. Give them wisdom, please. Right? But not just nationally, for our local. We should be praying for them. We should be praying for our police officers who enforce the law. We should be praying for our city council who make decisions, for those who raise our taxes, right? We should be, we should be praying for them. Why? Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Peter said we're supposed to pray for them. Again, so we can live nice, quiet lives because God has put them there to do that very thing. Do we have to agree with them? No. And I know there's always that, well, what if they tell me to do something that goes against Scripture? Then, we'll, then obey Scripture. But do it in a kind way. We see a young man uh, named Daniel, again, who was sent to Babylon. He was exiled from his country, sent to Babylon. They changed his name to a Babylonian name. They were trying to make him Babylonian because he was a bright kid. And the king made this law. No one can pray to anyone except me for the next 30 days. What does Daniel do? Well, that goes against Scripture, so I can't do that. So what does Daniel do? He goes up, opens his windows, and prays anyway. But he did it respectfully. He didn't go out and lay down a mat in the middle of the courtyard and say, hey, look at me, I'm praying to God. No. He went to his room and he did it. We see his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
They said when, when the music plays, you got to bow down to this enormous golden statue that was probably a statue of the emperor. And if you don't, we're going to throw you in the furnace. And what did they say? Well, even if God doesn't rescue us, we still can't do that. And what did God do? He rescued them, right? He blessed them. They, didn't, they weren't mean about it. They were respectful. But they said, we can't do that. It goes against God's law, which is higher than yours. But they did it in a kind way. Guys, uh, you know, back in 2020, we had this virus that went around. Remember that? And what did the government do? They shut down everything. And there were a lot of pastors who said, I don't know what to do right now because the government's telling me I have to shut down my church. And so we sat down as a board. We sat down and we, we, we said, you know, <laughs> there's this passage in Romans 13 that said, I'm supposed to obey the authorities. And so all the pastors got together and we said, we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to close. We're going to go online. We're going to obey those in authority over us because we don't want to put them in a bind. And so we did. And then when it was time to open up, all the pastors got back together and said, we're all going to open the same day because we don't obey those in authority over us. We're not going to go early. We're going to wait until they say it's okay. And you know what? God blessed us for it. He did. He blessed the church in the U.S. The church actually grew through this whole thing. It was crazy. So we're responsible to pray for those um, and it's really hard to rebel against someone when you're praying for her, isn't it? It's really hard to obey or rebel if you're praying for that person. And then we're responsible to honor those in authority. Look further down in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. He says, for the Lord's sake to submit to all authority. Remember we said that? Whether the king is head of state or official, he's appointed or the king he sent them to punish those who do wrong and honor those who do right. It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence these ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you're free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Hmm. Peter's writing this at the same time period. And so he said that we're supposed to respect those and honor those in authority over us. So <laughs> in Hebrews chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews says this, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. So we're supposed to submit to those in authority over us, whether kings, teachers, parents, law enforcement, pastors, and those in authority, and the pastors submit to those above them, right? The board and their leadership above them. And... We're supposed to do that to be good what? Examples. As he says, when you rebel, it's not for your benefit. And so this is tough, guys. I, I struggle with this. You struggle with it. We all struggle with this. But God is calling us to obey those over us, to submit to those over us with the right attitude. In Daniel chapter 1, remember I was telling you about Daniel being sent over to Babylon, and they were giving him food that didn't match up with the dietary guidelines of Jewish people. And so did Daniel throw his plate against the wall and curse the guards and all that? No. He said, hey, uh, can I give you an alternative? Would you let me just have vegetables because that would go with my, my God and my guidelines and, and, and try it for a week? Because he said, I know that if I look bad, you're, you're going to be in trouble. So let's try it for a week, and if it doesn't work, I'll eat what you give me. He was very respectful, and God blessed him for it. And they did it, and they were healthier than all the other kids, so they let him keep doing it. Right? He obeyed. He submitted to those in authority, even though they were ungodly people. Instead of rebellion, he gave them an alternative. He was able to follow his conscience, but also show a good example. 
In Daniel chapter 3, again, we said the boys were getting ready to be thrown in a fiery furnace. And they said, King, we, we can't do this. Our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we can't do this anyway. They didn't thumb their noses at him. They said it respectfully. They got thrown into the fire. They came out. Everybody praised God for it, right? Um, they accepted the consequences of their disobedience. And sometimes, guys, God uses unjust authority to further his purpose. We said that all through Scripture. We see that we're supposed to honor and obey those above us unless it goes against biblical standards. But then when we do say, I can't obey this because of my conscience, because of what my God tells me to do, we do it in a what? Respectful way. To show them we still honor them as those in authority over us. And God blesses them. I love this quote. Um, I can't even pronounce the guy's name. Uh, but it says this. Sometimes the Lord of the world speaks more audibly out of prison cells and graves than out of the life of churches who congratulate themselves on their concordant with the state. Sometimes God uses persecution to further his kingdom. We see brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world being persecuted right now because they say, we can't obey what you're saying. We're going to submit, and they're being persecuted for it. We have missionaries in places right now, they're not even allowed to be because they're spreading the gospel to those who are being persecuted. More people have died for their faith in this last century than all the time, all the years up before this because they're willing to accept it because they love Jesus more than life. So we have to honor and obey those above us even when it's hard. And we have to understand that there are consequences for our decisions. There are blessings for obedience. When we obey, God blesses us. He says that. Paul says this. And when we submit, we find real freedom. And when we submit, we're protected. Because there's a protection when you come under authority. Did you know that? When you submit yourself to authority, there's a protection God puts over you for that. He blesses you for that. We see it all the time. Many of you have seen it at work. Because you're, you're Christians and you show that through your lifestyle, your, your bosses like you. Because that God protects you. God blesses you. I know at work um, at the YMCA, there's Christians all over the place. Because God blesses them. God protects them. And so we have to understand that God blesses us when we submit to those over us. And James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And when we obey and we submit, it's a great witness. But there are also consequences for our disobedience. When we rebel, punishment comes. Adam and Eve saw that. We're still paying for their rebellion. <laughs> All these years later, I know a lot of people said, I'm going to have a talk with Eve when I get to heaven, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Childbirth is going to come up very quickly when we get there, right? Um, so we have to understand that there are punishment from the authorities. <laughs> In Romans 13:4, we read earlier, they're God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, you should be afraid because they have the power to punish you. They're God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. It's hard to ask God to deliver us from consequences we bring on ourselves, isn't it? You ever been there? Lord, I made a really, really bad choice, but would you please help me out of this? <laughs> I've been there. Many of us have. But God also brings consequences sometimes. Those who rebel against authority are really rebelling against the authority that God set up, and that sin causes separation. I love this quote. If God is behind all authority, then authority issues are ultimately spiritual issues. Authority issues are really spiritual issues in our lives. And we see this, again, 
all out through Scripture. Remember this guy named King David? Remember him? He was a king over Israel. He was called a man after God's own heart. But do you know there was this period in David's life where he blew it? Massive, massive, massive issues. He, he was supposed to be out in battle, but he decided to stay back. He was walking around the rooftop. He saw a pretty lady taking a bath in the next building or two over. And so he sent for her, had her brought in. He slept with her, and she got pregnant. And so David brought her husband back, was hoping they would sleep together, and then she would think the baby was theirs, and he wouldn't do it because he was an honorable man. So David had him murdered. And then uh, he brought her in, and they had the baby. And so then God sends this prophet to David and tells him this whole story, and David gets really mad, and the prophet said, That's, you're that man. You're, you did this. You have brought consequences on yourself. And David had massive consequences in his family life. For really for generations because of what he had done. Now, his kids didn't pay for his sins. He paid for his sins. But his kids rebelled against authority the same way they'd seen him do it. And so he paid for that. And he brought it on himself. In 1 Samuel 15, there's this line, there was a king who rebelled against authority. And um, Samuel the prophet came to him and said, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Listen to this. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. So because you've rejected the command of the Lord, he's rejected you as king. He says rebellion is as bad as practicing witchcraft. And why is that? Because both of those things are what? Rebellion. Both of those things are coming against God's authority. Witchcraft is trying to get God's power your own path. Rebellion is trying to do things your own way. So we have to understand, guys, rebellion is a, it's a spiritual issue. And I know this is not a woohoo message, right? This is, you're not going to go home and say, wow, I'm glad I went to church today, probably. But this is one of those things we have to hear. Because rebellion slips into our lives subtly and it causes issues. And it usually doesn't come to the surface until later when it's gotten really big. And here's the thing, guys. There are often consequences that we can't see. We have to understand that getting out from under God's authority a lot of times can make us miss something God is trying to do in our lives. So we look back, all the way back in, in the book of Exodus. Remember when God allowed the people of Israel to be enslaved for 400 years in Egypt? And a lot of people said, man, I wish they would have just like, started a rebellion like Spartacus and taken off on their own. What was happening during that time? God was building a nation. God was building his people through that time in Egypt. And if they had shortcutted that, what would have happened? They would have shortcutted what God was doing. Why did, why did God allow Jesus to go to the cross? Why couldn't he just skip it? Because he was saving the world. Jesus, the God of the universe, submitted himself to the Roman authorities. Can you imagine Jesus standing there before Pilate? And Pilate's like, ha, 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 ha. And what did Jesus say? You wouldn't have any authority if God hadn't given it to you. He said that. The authority you have comes from my father. But he submitted himself because he was saving the world, right? So many times, guys, when God allows things to happen in our lives that come maybe through unjust authority, we say, why, why, why? God's doing something in our lives. I can look back. Amy and I can look back at our family. We can see times, guys, we had, <laughs> we got backstabbed by authority over us, spiritual authority, we had people lie about us. We had people do things, and it was hurtful. I mean, it hurt. 
But we realize now that if we had shortchanged that, we would have missed something incredible God was doing. He sent us through a season that was rough. It was difficult. I complained a lot (laughs) in prayer to each other. And we had to understand that God was using that to do something. And if we had shortcutted that, we would have missed an incredible blessing. Because God was preparing us for what he was doing later. He was preparing our family. And so, guys, some of you are are going through seasons where you said, man, I would just love to rebel right now. I would love to get out from under this. But maybe God's doing something. He's preparing something. And if we get out from under God's authority, we might miss something incredible that he's doing. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. If you're able, would you stand?